Welcome to episode five of A Well-Placed Cuts. As always, my name is Gurmeher Dodd, sitting in with Max Miller and Zach Seri. On today's episode, we'll be discussing some athletes coming out of their various drafts that we thought would be great, but really never panned out. Which LA team has a better chance of getting to the Super Bowl? Debating the better conference of the NBA. And this week's hot take will be provided by yours truly. How are we doing today, boys? Not bad, not bad. Just uh, just chilling at home, having enjoying the the break that was still on. Very happy that it got extended another uh, another seven days. It doesn't start tomorrow; it starts on the tenth. Yeah. Obviously, you know we we're still dealing with the uh, COVID scare. We're all at home right now, but uh, we're really hoping to get back together soon. So, uh, Zoom meetings for now. Zach, how you doing? You know, pretty good. Uh, like Max said, it's nice to get uh, another couple of days off here. Um, you know, got to see some family I haven't seen in a while today. And, uh, you know, it's good to be back on the Zoom machine, I guess, if it's not in person. So can't wait to uh, discuss these talk- topics here. But hey, boys, boys, before we get into it, Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, definitely. 2022 hopefully is better than uh, the previous couple of years here. Hopefully, hopefully, as long as you know, as long as we stay true to ourselves, you know, we continue to be good people. You know, I've got I've got hope for the future, and I'm really happy to get to do this with you guys. This is really fun, and I'm really fo- looking forward to another year of making episodes. Definitely. All right. For sure. As of uh, as Zach mentioned, you know, he's hoping for uh, things to be better. But uh, before we can do that, we've got to look at a uh, look at we've got to go back and look at some negatives real quick. Uh, you know, we'll get this one out of the way because it's going to really uh, bother us a little bit. But um, for our first topic, obviously, you know, um, we all love regular season. We all love the postseason. Um, one of the things that is probably the non-sports related thing in sports that we love the most is the draft. Can, you boys can agree with me there, right? Definitely, yep. For love sure. The love the draft. Um, this, this week, we've all discussed that, you know, we wanted to take a look back at, you know, some previous drafts and, you know, uh, in the you know the various throughout the various sports world and look at some players that we were really high off coming out of the college or coming out of you know developmental programs that we thought were going to be really good in you know their respective leagues but really just didn't pan out so some dudes that we were really high on but you know never really translated well into their leagues so uh, Zach I will give you the floor you know I remember in grade eight this guy was you know on my mind I was reading about him consistently I thought this guy was going to be the next big thing, the next Dirk, maybe not the next Dirk in play style, but the next big European guy. And that was Dragon Bender. Ended up going to the Suns, top three pick. I honestly thought this guy was going to be like Chris Dobbs type, type of guy. And, we, and I feel like we, we always see one big game European come out in the draft. And it seems like, it's hit or miss. Like one year they're good, one year they're not. Like if you look at guys like Laurie Markkinen, Luka Doncic, um, Kristaps, right? In, in these years, um, Denny Avigia, there's always a, a European guy that's coming out these years and it, it's hit or, hit or miss. And I thought Dragon Bender was going to be a grand slam. I thought he should have been the first overall pick. And then, no, obviously I was uh, 
definitely pretty wrong on that one. Over Ben Simmons, over Jalen Brown. Over... <laughs> really? Yes. In grade, in grade eight, I, I'm not even kidding. Like, during, like, recess and stuff, like, I was on my phone, like, reading up on Dragon Bender. And maybe it was just the name Dragon Bender that got me engaged. But I was, like, watching this guy's mixtapes and stuff. I was like, God, this guy's sick. I did think Ben Simmons would go first overall. But I was like, man, Dragon Bender is just going to be so much better. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And Zach, before you continue on with uh, some of the other sports, two things that I'd love to mention. I think a lot of the hype was uh, that was around Dragon Bender was around, you know, that because that was Chris Tapp's rookie season. I remember it. Knicks fan here. But man, I remember him, you know, proving a lot of people wrong, you know, him coming from Europe, you know, playing in the NBA, playing in a big market like uh, the New York Knicks. So a lot of, you know, the Dragon Bender hype came from Chris Tapp's Porzingis. Um, another thing that I just find funny, I don't know if you guys uh, know this guy, but um, Buddy Beheim, this, the, the singer. I, I, remember, um, I remember when Dragon Bender got drafted, he, uh, he, he took a screenshot of like, you know, the Suns, you know, introducing Dragons like, hey, you know, I'm uh, really excited to join the Phoenix Suns. You know, I thought that was just really funny. But that's just a little throwback. Uh, Zach, who else you got? Yeah, so um, for baseball, I know like the baseball draft is, is super weird, right? It's, it's probably the least you know, watch draft. I would say it's it's during the middle of the season. It's it's kind of weird. Nobody gets to know the prospects as well as you know the NBA, NHL, um, right? So, but my, my guy, like when I was like first picking up on baseball, was Mickey Moniak. Um, you know, a guy that was drafted first overall. He's a center fielder to Philadelphia, and I thought he was going to be a stud. Uh, like coming out in three years because baseball guys take a while to develop, right? But he just never got it going. He never, his athleticism just was never put to display or anything. And, you know, what do the, the Phillies go out and do as well? They go out and sign Bryce Harper to that mega contract. So, see, so seeing that, it, it kind of put his development on the back burner here and, uh, He's still young. I want to say he's 23 years old. So who knows what happens with him? He's got plenty of time, especially for baseball. So maybe he gets traded, gets a nice fresh scene. But I I thought he was going to be a stud. And then in hockey, you know, we're all from Saskatoon. We all know the Blades. Uh, and just two guys from the Blades that, you know, maybe it was, I was biased just watching them. But I remember Duncan Siemens and then Nikita Sherback. Duncan Siemens was, uh, I believe, the 11th or 12th overall pick in the John Tavares, Matt Duchesne, Victor Hedman draft. And I remember he was a key part of the St. Louis Blues uh, Colorado Avalanche trade. And I remember just thinking he was going to be a lockdown defenseman for years to come. And, uh, you know, I, I believe he only played 30-some NHL games and only put up five assists. So, Definitely weird to see him. And then Sherback just never came to fruition for Montreal. So those would be my guys. Uh, yeah, dude. Nice. Yeah, dude. Duncan Siemens at 11. JT Miller at 15. Joel Armia at 16. Uh, Nathan Bolio at 17. Oscar Clefbaum at 19. Connor Murphy at 20. That's got to hurt. Uh, Max, who are your guys? Well, uh, for I got one 
and he was someone that he was such a good player in college and it really it didn't transfer to the NBA that well uh and I gotta go with my guy Marvin Bagley on the the Sacramento Kings he was drafted uh I believe second behind DeAndre Ayton and just before Luca and a lot of people thought that that was the good the good pick and before everyone knew how good Luca was going to turn out. And I just loved that pick. I thought that he was uh, a great, a great shooting big man. He could rebound. He could defend well. He could, he could score the ball. He had a, it was just, he was just an all around really good player. And he didn't pan out in the NBA like I thought he would, but I don't put the blame on him so much. I put him more on the Kings organization. They never really, like, had anything uh, positive to do with these young stars that they have. You have uh, De'Aaron Fox, you have Marvin Bagley, and you can even throw Davion Mitchell and Rashawn Holmes in there if you want. They have veteran talent with uh, Harrison Barnes. Tyrese, thank you very much. Um, They have veteran talent like uh, Harrison Barnes, Mo Harkless. They have the makings for a playoff team, but – I, they kind of just squandered the the they they, they don't squander young talent because they're they're obviously using uh, De'Aaron Fox very well, but they really squandered Marvin Bagley's potential. I thought they never gave him the minutes that he needed, never developed him like they should. They treated him as a role player for his entire career, and he dealt with injuries for sure. But when he was on the court, he was I he was quite good, but he just couldn't get it going. And you can say it's injuries. You can say it was this or that but I really think the Kings organization just didn't push him didn't didn't really help him to where he needed to be successful yeah I know watching Duke like he's obviously a Duke guy and I remember watching Duke basketball and I was with you Max I thought Marvin Bagley would be a lot better than what he's shown uh in the NBA thus far but you know the thing is Marvin Bagley is only 22 I agree with you that the Kings haven't used him in the best way, but I remember like people look back and be like, how, how did he go number two and Luca went three, you know, Trey went six. Mm-hmm. Like, at that point in time, that was the right pick for the Kings. And I think it absolutely was like, yeah, they did not need a point guard. They needed that four that Marvin Bagley is. I absolutely. And agree. They just, and they just haven't used it. Like that was the correct pick at that t- point in time for the Kings. And it just, you know, for whatever reason, it just has not worked out. But I, I still believe that there's going to be time for Marvin. He's only 22. Maybe yeah, he's, he's a, still young, still young. Maybe he needs a, a fresh scene, right? He, he might get traded. Who knows? The Kings might blow this whole thing up. Like everybody says they're going to do, but who knows? Well, and clearly the, the coaching staff had to be some part of the issue because I remember seeing seeing a game where uh, Luke Walton had called Marvin Bagley to come in and he had refused and he sat the game. And so there's, there clearly wasn't a lot of trust between, especially Luke Walton, who we all know isn't a great coach and doesn't have a lot of trust with his players in Sacramento after this. And he got fired. And when he got fired, the Kings uh, started – Bagley and he's been doing solid they just beat my Miami Heat tonight which I'm very sad about but they got it done against a really good team and I think that Marvin Bagley can really help make the Kings a playoff team 
But uh, for my second guy, I'm going to transition over to football here and go with a guy that is on Gurmy's New York Giants, who I love, and that is John Ross. He was drafted in uh, 2017, and he dealt with injuries early in his career. Uh, I, I forget exactly what it was, but it was, it was a lower body injury of some kind, and he broke the 40-yard dash record at the combine with an injury with an in like he was injured and he still broke Chris Johnson's record that's unbelievable like that in it's that that in itself should, should get him drafted but he got traded to the Giants or signed with the Giants uh last year and he put he's been putting up these solid numbers I mean it's nothing it's nothing insane it's 224 yards with a touchdown he's he's he averages 20 yards I think he has all the right makeups for a uh, for our star within him to be born. But so far in his career, I think that they uh, he just hasn't lived up to the potential that he could be. And I, again, I kind of blame that on the team, not so much him. I kind of blame that more on the Cincinnati Bengals. They didn't really surround him that much with uh, a good talent, of course, like Bagley. He's he, he suffered with injuries, but I think that he needs a, a new, a fresh new scenery, uh, a new team. I think the Giants can definitely be that team, but I think he just needs minutes on the field. I think he just needs opportunities to burn those cornerbacks with his speed. I think he has very good potential in the punt return and kick return, uh, special teams for the Giants. Uh, I think he's just, I think he can be the kind of the new Cordell Patterson, but just faster max i'm just gonna quickly address two of the like, i didn't get a chance to speak um you know give you uh, my take on um marvin bagley for sure um first oh of i'm all, sorry no worries no worries um first of all two great picks well i shouldn't say great picks the <laughs> two uh <laughs> bad picks. um the thing with marvin bagley though is i completely understand at the time why they went with um uh uh with uh, marvin bagley because if you think about it Dallas took uh, Dallas traded for Luka Doncic, and that kind of you know put uh, Dennis Smith Jr. out of a job. We'll, we might get a little. Uh, well, I'm going to mention a little a little later. But um, you know, I completely understand it. You know, you wanted you wanted to pair a big with your franchise point guard. But I think this right. is like a classic example of where expectations and coming from a really big school can really hinder. You know, can really you know put a little too much pressure on some of these young guys. Like, and you know, part of that I won't say it's our fault, but like. I think we're a little surprised, you know, with the production that we've seen from Marvin Bagley because we've expected so much. Me personally, dude, I thought this guy was going to be a Chris Bosh, uh, you know, Kevin Garnett type of dude, just a 2010 guy every, every night. I had such high expectations for that guy. And I got, I'm with you, dude. I, I think it's coaching. I think, you know, I don't know why more teams don't do this, but I think if you want to get the best out of your players, send them to play look at what the houston rockets doing they know they're not going to compete they know they're not a good team they're going to play their young guys look at shangun Jalen. yeah you know uh no kidding kevin porter jr you know you're not going to win and that's fine what you need to do is prioritize development and communicate that with the fans so we're all absolutely engaged that's what i've been saying about the knicks it's fine if you don't compete prioritize development don't sign aging, don't sign aging veterans and communicate that with the fans. The Sacramento Kings, they always look like they're they're not they're never a piece of way from a from a title contender. They're a piece of way from contending a playoff spot. They came close in 2019. Right. They didn't make it. 
you know you're not going to make the postseason. And if you do make the postseason, you're going to get bounced for the, in the first round. I don't, I'm not going to credit them with, you know, developing De'Aaron Fox. I think De'Aaron Fox was a talent that fell to them. They got lucky. Yep. Marvin Bagley. <laughs> I agree. Marvin Bagley is, I, has so much potential. I, I don't know who, who else you would play over him. He's a stud. Give him minutes. Give him minutes. He can give you that 20 and 10. I, like, we've seen it from him. Luke Walton is another guy. I don't know why he gets so many opportunities for head coach. Oh, my God. If it was not for Steve Kerr, he would not be a coach. Like, let's call it what it is. But Yeah, you know, I, I agree is, with I, you on that one. Point is, I think Marvin Bagley has a ton of potential. Yeah, and I, I, I really like what you said about, like, if, it, if the fans know the team isn't trying, not that they're not trying to win, but that they're trying to produce these young stars, I think that makes the team or the fans – root for the young stars more and so it's less of a disappointment when they lose and it's more of a celebration when they win it's not impossible either like we've seen no, it happen not. like we've seen the golden state warriors basically say we're trash we've got three three young guys in steph clay and draymond one of them was a second round pick let's see what they can do i uh, exactly Built and they the waited draft. and they 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 developed they developed them and now they're they've been the talk of the nba for the past five, six years. So I absolutely agree. You build through the draft, and when you're ready to compete, that's when you sign your free agents. That's all I want to say. Definitely. Moving on. Moving on to John Ross. I think – I don't want to say speed's overrated because we look at what the Cheetah can do. But the difference between the Cheetah and Tyreek Hill is – sorry, between uh, John Ross and uh, Tyreek Hill. Yes. Tyreek can move well with the ball. Tyreek Mm – Tyreek can, like – Yes, John Ross has 4-2-2 speed. He broke the record at the combine. Was he the best route runner coming out of college? You know? No. And, I, and I, look right. at, I look at these receivers from that 2017 class. Like, none of them started off really hot. But, you know, Mike Williams was a dud yep. in his year. He's a stud now. I love him. He just surpassed 1,000 yards today. Corey Davis, you know, he, he's, you know, that contract is not looking very good. But, you know, he's, <laughs> he's molded himself into a productive receiver. John Ross just was never really that good of a route runner. Um, you no, know, yep. you know, he was never really like when he came to the league, it was the injury problems. So yes, we expected a lot of him, but like it's like, you know, speed can be deceptive. You know, that doesn't always mean you're gonna be a good player. That's all that's yeah. all, you know. Yeah, I I I definitely uh, agree with that. And I think there he needs to and I, I it's not been completely on the organizations themselves, but I think that he needs to learn some skills, but speed can't be taught. And so if you have that stable to build your game around, it's a good thing. But I agree. He, he, needs, he needs to develop a few, a few other parts of his game before he can turn into that Mike Williams level that I think he can be. And just quickly, you know, Max, to be honest, mm-hmm. I was never high on the 2017 uh, NFL wide receivers draft class at all. No. I remember I remember being a Chargers fan and they them selecting Mike Williams. And, you know, I actually really wanted them to draft Malik Hooker, who is a safety, and uh, I don't even know where he is right yeah, now, to be honest. Yeah. He's but a starter on the Cowboys. He's having a good season. Is oh, he? good okay. for him. But, you know, Mike Williams, I remember his first year, he was injured, though, like pretty much banged up and just never got to start. And, you know, Corey Davis, you know, is now with the Jets, you know, He's an okay wide receiver. John Ross, I don't know if you guys remember, but in that draft year, he was projected to be like a third-round talent, like second-round pick. 
And then he had that record-breaking, like, 40 time, and that shot him into the first round. And then even then so, after running that 40 time, he was projected to be, like, in the 20s. And then since he drafts him at nine, I believe. So I, I remember, like, just thinking, man, like, like a month ago, this guy was supposed to be going in the third round, and now he's going top 10. Like, I was never sold on him. And, you know, I, that kind of shows, like, he, he was never a complete route runner, never had, like, the best hands. He, he was just a fast, deep threat guy. And, uh, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. He never was that, like, like Gurmi said, Tyreek Hill type of game changer. Just some yeah. receivers are drafted after him in the second and third rounds. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kenny Galladay, <laughs> Chris Godwin, oh. Curtis Samuel. You know, unless you got generational talents like we're seeing in Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, receivers, second round. Th- that's something. Uh, Max, who are, who are some of your other guys? Um, And then for another guy, oh, this one... This one was a little bit disappointing because it took a little bit of time for him to uh, not to fall off, but for him to maybe not have the attention that he was getting. And I got to go with Buddy Heald. And I know I know what 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 people are saying. Like, I don't believe that he was a, a true bust, but I saw this guy as being. Trey Young as a shooting guard, if you know what I mean. If 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 you can visualize that, I saw this man letting it fly, at being Clay Thompson without the defense. But sorry, I'm a big, his, I'm a big know, Clay Thompson fan. I'm a big Clay Thompson fan. Sorry. I know, I know, I know. You, I I, sh- I shouldn't use that example, but honestly, it's it's really it's what I thought. I thought that he was going to be a generational three point talent. I thought he was going to be the Kyle Korver, JJ Redick of his day. And he just, he just hasn't. I, he's only shot over 40% on three different seasons. He's steadily gone down in points per game. Like this is one of his, this is his worst season in the past four years. I just, I don't, I don't think he lived up to, to the potential he could have. And I think the trade from New Orleans to Sacramento definitely helped the, traje- the trajectory of his career. But I think he just kind of caught up in that Kings organization a little bit where he was kind of like half being used as a talent and um, half trying to be developed. And so they never knew exactly what to do with him. And it didn't help for a fact that he was a 24-year-old rookie coming out of college. So he already had some years on him. I was just about to say that, like – for a for like for for um for a draft prospect, he was very old. Like he came out when he was twenty three. Um, but yeah, no, Max, are you trying to basically say like he just wasn't as good as you thought he would be? Which I kind of I yeah, like yeah. Th- this is like a personal thing because like I I wouldn't call him a bust, but in my mind, I had real high hopes for Buddy Healed, and so I think I think you guys can see can see a theme of uh of the Kings players that I have here. I don't think I think the Kings right now is just not a very good organization. I think they need to clean house with the with management and just focus on development. Cause I think if they could have put Buddy Heald in a better situation, even still on the, on the, um, on the Kings, but just put him in a better position on that team. I think he could have been an all-star honestly. Yeah. But that, that, and, that's all I got right now. And Gurmy, right. You mentioned with my pick Dragon Bender, you mentioned he had a lot of hype because of Kristaps, right. Uh, his rookie year, what everybody saw. 
you know, remember what was happening with uh, Buddy Hield in college, what was going on in the NBA. It was Steph Curry and his three point and like the yep. Golden State Warriors and the Splash Brothers. So, you know, there's lots of hype on the three point shooting. And Buddy Hield was like the big thing in college basketball that year with Oklahoma. And, you know, I'm, I always have a soft spot for the Pelicans. Anthony Davis was there was there for the longest time. And I just have a soft spot for New Orleans. And so I'm, I would say the Pelicans are one of my favorite teams in the NBA. So I was very happy to see them get Buddy Heald. And I'm glad you guys brought up the point that Buddy Heald was like a grown man going against like teenagers in college. Like, yeah. So, you know, I, I thought he would be better. Like, I agree with you, Max. I wouldn't say he's a complete bust, but I thought he'd be better than what he he is now in the NBA and maybe like a trade to a contender because he he has a role like he can be a good role player on a contender he really team. can I I totally agree with you he, he has those tendencies of like uh, of like J.R. Smith kind of being someone next to LeBron just chipping in every game trying to help him win all right those are all good guys I got four for you boys right here I'm not going to spend too much time on baseball because I'm never really involved in you know the MLB draft, it, it's weird. It's midseason. Um, you know, you know that these guys are not going to be playing for a very long time. So, but this is just one guy. It's not that like I had, I was just disappointed in this guy because he was drafted before a really good player. Um, you know, Dante Bichette, uh, brother of Bo Bichette. Um, nothing really remarkable. He was just drafted above Blake Snell, which the Yankees could really lose use right now. That's just one I want to put out there. Um, in the NHL, uh, Obviously, you know, I'm big on my USA uh, NDTP boys. Love them. Uh, one of these guys, Casey Middlestat, uh, I really wanted the Rangers to draft him in 2017. Um, he, uh, he was a guy that you could tell, like, he had all the talent in the world. You look at his world junior, like, you look at that one world junior performance back in 17-18. Uh, he had, uh, he was tournament MVP. Just pulling up, uh, just pulling up his numbers right here, boys. Uh, you look at, um, he had uh, four goals, seven assists, 11 points in seven games. Was just a man on a mission. Um, you know, I think he, he, there were some, you know, uh, strength problems. Obviously, you know, that notorious pull-up story, which I kind of find funny, but um, apparently he wasn't even able to do one. Um, he's been, you know, I, I don't think he's a bust as of right now. I'm not ready to call him a bust. I definitely think there's still time to turn things around. Um, 22 points in 41 games last year. 25, uh, sorry, well, 25 points in uh, 36 games in the AHL that same year. Uh, nine points in 2020, uh, not the best. Um, I, I can see him turning things around. Uh, I don't think our hopes lost, but um, it might just be Buffalo. Who, who knows? But, um, you know, if he can get it together with the core that they're trying to build over there, you know, I, I still have high hopes for him. He, uh, he was just never that game-changing player that I saw in the World Juniors, and I'm, I'm, that kind of tears me apart inside a little bit. Uh, NFL, this guy, I love him. I think he is genuinely a very good, you know, young man. Um, everybody talks about like how nice of a guy he is, but, um, you know, I was really high, uh, I was really high on him coming out of a USC. Um, me and Zach talk about him all the time, but Sam Donald, man, you know, I thought this was the year I saw him go three, you know, I got so hyped. Like I was like, you know, this is the year Sam's going to prove everybody wrong. You know, uh, I, I, I had him as a wild card this year, but um, Sam Donald, man, you know, I, I thought he was going to be much better than what he was. You know, I, I obviously, you know, the Jets aren't, aren't really notorious for, you know, being good at the rookie quarterbacks. Uh, he did fell victim to um, Adam Gase. Um, 
you know, I was really high on Sam Donald, man. So seeing what he's become, it makes me sad because I, I genuinely have, a, I genuinely love this dude, man. Um, uh, and finally, yeah. sorry, Zach. I no, I, I, I just wanted to say, uh, I, I got kind of excited too when I, when I saw him in Carolina. And I think for maybe like three, four weeks or something like that, he was leading the league in, in rush touchdowns. I thought I thought this was the year, man. I thought I thought he was gonna. Be- I did too. I thought this was man. I I was really uh, I was really sad. Um, Zach, yeah, I, know, too. I, I, I know I know you're big on Sam Donald. Yeah, I like in that draft class. I thought he should have been the number one overall pick. You know, he was coming out of USC. You know, at that time, you know the program was kind of mediocre, but you know USC is notorious for having you know, good California-based quarterback. So I was really high on Sam Darnold and what he did in college. And, you know, he was super young, like, coming out. Like, a lot younger than what we see nowadays. Like, if you look at Joe Burrow coming out, Baker Mayfield in that same draft class, a lot of these uh, quarterbacks are are super old coming out. And Sam Darnold was balling out, like, as an 18-year-old in college, a 19-year-old. And, you know, even now he's, Mm. he's still super young. And, you know, like you guys said, um, but it was good for him to get out of New York. I thought that was the problem. And it looked like it was the problem the first three games. He was looking great. And then things kind of just took a took a big, uh, steep nosedive here. Um, yeah. yeah, man. I, I feel for Sam. I really want him to get another chance after this season, but uh, it's not looking too good. Um, finally, in the NBA, it's funny because this guy eventually did become a New York Nick. Uh, he was the guy who I really wanted us to draft in the 2017 NBA draft. But uh, Dennis Smith Jr., man, I – oh, my goodness. I thought this guy was going to be a stud. I think he came out of NC State. I remember him and Jay Cole being, like, good buddies, which I, I, I loved. Um, uh, but, dude, it was tough, man. I saw this dude in his rookie year, um, 15 points per game, five assists, you know, four rebounds, you know, good for rookie point guard. Uh, dunking on everybody, dunking everything in sight, uh, you know, 31% from three, uh, 40% from uh, the field, which wasn't the best. But, you know, I thought he was going to be much better than what he was. Um, you know, he's bounced, he was, he's bounced along. Obviously, he was involved in that Christoph Porzingis trade. Uh, he, you know, he was waived. Then he signed with the, the Pistons. You know, um, things have just, uh, things just haven't panned out for, uh, for, um, for Dennis. Um, you know, I, I thought it was going to be much better. And I think part of that isn't really his fault. Um, it it kind of just shows like how hard it is to maintain in the NBA. Um, you know, and I think Luca had a big part to do with that. Um, he was never, um, you know, close with Rick Carlisle and, you know, Rick Carlisle loved Luca as he should. You know, Luca took, took over as, you know, the point guard and, you know, the offense just, uh, I mean the GM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The offense also just never really flew like float was flown very well with both of them on the court. And they had to make a decision. And, you know, I don't blame them. You know, you're going to go with Luca 10 times out of 10. But, man, Dennis Smith, dude, I, I still think there's hope. I still think that he could be uh, – I don't know if he can be a starting point guard anymore, but I still think he's a point guard in this league. Yeah, um, I, I really like that pick, Jeremy, because there was a lot of hype surrounding Dennis Smith Jr. And that's kind of one thing about basketball right now is I think a lot of people confuse, like, dunking ability and – just overall athleticism with basketball skill when it just, it doesn't always translate. Like you have, I can't even name anyone right now, but guys who are in the NBA for their freak athleticism, 
they're normally um not they're they can be in the league for a little bit but they're normally not like proficient like you see guys who actually have great athleticism like the only guy i can think of now is a zach levine that's a good one that's yeah that's that's solid but he was only in the league originally like he didn't start out that way like he kind of he went to the bulls and he de- de- developed his game in, in Chicago, but he came into the league kind of as a flash dunker, as a highlight dunker. And I think I think of the same as uh, Aaron Gordon, for example. He's always been a mid player, a, yeah. uh, an, an average role player, but his yeah. name gets thrown around a lot. And I think a lot of people are disappointed with his play style just because he has a little bit more name value. People know him just a little bit more. And I think it's the same thing with, if, let me think of another, Derek Jones Jr., a guy who's only known for his for his athleticism, and these guys have a lot of expectations drawn upon them just because they can they can jump high like honestly, and when they when they don't deliver on any other facet of the court, not on any other facet, but to their ability on athleticism, they don't deliver to any other facet. Then I think it just kind of is seen as. You know, you're not always going to find that Blake Griffin, Zach Levine type of guy. Right, exactly. Taking guys like that is quite a is quite a bit of a reach. And here's and here's you know me hoping that um the Knicks can do a better job with you know a guy like Obi Toppin. You know, because Obi, I'm high on. Oh, I'm high on. Totally high on. I I, I think he can be Blake Griffin. I I said that in my I said that during his rookie year until my friends really (laughs) really uh, clown me for that. But I'm I'm hoping. (laughs) I'm with uh, you. Yeah. Those were uh those were our uh, our butts. Um, here's hoping these guys can turn it around. But you know, with how hard it is to maintain in some of these leagues, you never really know. Mm-hmm. On our next on our next segment here, uh, we're gonna be discussing um as you know the NFL year comes to a close, uh, just which uh, LA team has a better chance of getting to the Super Bowl. As of right now, the uh, LA Rams have secured a playoff spot. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals won today, so uh, they don't have the division. But they're currently sitting at twelve and four. Arizona is eleven and five. If the Rams win their uh, final game, they will lock up that division. They are going to have to play San Francisco, though. Uh, the L- the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, on the other hand, did win today. They climb into that final wild card spot with a nine and seven record. However, they are tied with the Indianapolis Colts and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, who are all fighting for those last two wild card spots. As the Patriots also clinched a playoff spot today. Um, the Patriots and Bills pinch a playoff spot today. So there's only two wild card spots left. I will say this because it's important to know. The Colts will play the Jaguars. So here's, that's probably going to be a win. Um, it's going to come down to a week 18 matchup between the Raiders and the Chargers. So I just want to put that out there. Zach, you are our Chargers fan. We want to give you the floor first. Who do you think? So I just want to uh, point this out there because uh, Gurmi went over you know, the standings and the situations at hand. So basically it's winner takes all game here for the Chargers uh, Raiders. And they're looking to move that to become the Sunday night game because of the implications it has right now. So hopefully that is the case. We get that game into prime time. Uh, Winner gets to go into the playoffs, which would be pretty cool. The Chargers do have the tiebreaker over the Raiders, but that doesn't come into play at all. They, uh, it is in Vegas, so uh, who knows? Um, the Chargers are healthy for the first time in a long time. Uh, that vaccination status rule 
or the non-vaccination status rule, I guess, really helps the Chargers as they are the league's uh, least vaccinated team. So getting all these players back uh, that aren't vaccinated really helps. But, you know, honestly, if you look at the two divisions, I think we could all agree that uh, in the AFC, the team to beat is the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, the Chargers have proved they can beat the Chiefs and then go toe-to-toe with them in that second game, right? The Chargers probably deserve to win other than some fourth down conversion stuff that did and didn't happen for them. And some uh, costly turnovers, yes. Um, And, the you know, the Bengals won today, too, over the Chiefs. So the, the Chiefs are beatable, and the Chargers, I think, match up very well against the Chiefs. And in the NFC, you know, the Rams have to deal with, you know, the 49ers, the Cardinals, the, the Green Bay Packers, the Buccaneers. I just think it's a lot harder. You know, the Rams probably beat the Chargers, honestly, and are the better team. But I just think the Chargers have an easier road to the Super Bowl here, especially now with this uh, this rule that allows the non-vaccinated players to play after uh, the five games. It, it really helps the Chargers here. And, you know, a healthy Chargers team is a very dead team. Yeah, uh, Zach, I, de- I definitely agree with you that uh, Chargers fully healthy is honestly a, a dark horse for the championship because they have proven this season that they are a team that can uh, that can beat the AFC, the favorites in the AFC, I mean, which are the Chiefs. And I agree with you again that if the if the Chargers get into the playoffs, they have an easier route than the Rams. But I think it's all about like the vaccination of, of the players, right? And if they can remain out of uh, protocols and if they can actually play on the field, they have, they have a very good team. I'm actually pretty happy. They've been doing quite good this season without a lot of their players actually playing. And so to see what they can do with their full roster healthy, I think... I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that uh, they can be Super Bowl contenders for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, today against the Broncos, last time the Chargers played the Broncos, they had lots of injuries. Austin Eckler went down with an ankle injury. They had lots of guys out. Um, and then today, you know, they fully, they get their guys all healthy. Like everybody was fully healthy. Unfortunately, uh, Corey Lindsley, uh, you know, Pro Bowl center went down with a back injury and was out with the rest of the game. And, you know, the Chargers went out there and just dominated the Broncos today. Like, dominated all facets of the game. You know, turnovers on special teams, kick return, touchdown. You know, the offense was clicking. You know, the defense looks much different with Derwin James and Joey Bosa out there. You know, the Chargers, you know, like, like I was texting my dad, they need to protect, you know, Justin Herbert, get this guy in a safe room, make sure he doesn't get COVID here and all these guys don't get COVID. Because when this team is fully healthy, they are definitely a dark horse. Um, Gary, what, what are your thoughts here? We, we Okay, I'm going to just say this. We are all in a fantasy uh, football group chat together. And one of the words we – one of the things that we love saying uh, when it comes to, you know, games we have on the line with certain players, we love saying legacy game. Is this not a Justin Herbert legacy game, boys? You know what, Jeremy? It seems like it might be. Always is, is this not the legacy Jeremy, game? He, 
Now he always can... he always he always comes to play when it comes to playing the Raiders. He always comes to play. No, that's facts. Uh, rookie year, the I was in game, one of his best performances. Fortunately, it didn't really matter because you know they were like what five and eleven or whatever the record was. But dude, this boys, this is his. This is the game where he needs to prove. Like he needs to come out and say, "I am Justin MF Herbert. I'm gonna put this team on my back." You know, first of all, I want to give my respect to Derek Carr though. All this team has, like, he has overcome so much this year. You know, the Henry Rugg situation, the John Gruden situation, you know, players getting released left and right. You know, he has put this team on his back. So both, this is going to be a game where both quarterbacks need to put their team on their back. And we're going to see who, like, it's, it's, it's win and you're in. You know, it's as simple as that. Win and you're in. There's no tiebreaker because, you know, the tiebreaker doesn't even come into fruition here because, you know, you, you one team is either team is either one's going to be nine and eight, one's going to be ten and seven. So this is the game. Like we've seen Joe Burrow today. Like yes, it was at home, it was in the jungle, but it was still against the one seed Kansas City Chiefs. You know that was like, and we're not talking about Kansas City at the beginning of the year. Like when I think of Justin Herbert, is yes, he beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That was at the beginning of the year when the Chiefs were still you know figuring it out. I don't want to diminish that win. He lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. You know in the midst of their you know seven game win streak. That was a big loss. You know, um, the Chargers, I'm not putting this all on Herbert because, you know, the Chargers, for as talented as a quarterback they have, like, they have lost some very winnable games. You know, uh, specifically that first Denver, like, that Denver Broncos game, like, that was, like, you should not have lost that game. Like, let's call it what it is. Um, You shouldn't have gotten, like, I understand losing to the Ravens earlier in the season. You should not have gotten blown out like that. Um, uh, what's what's, What's another one? I still think you should. I still think you should have beaten the Patriots earlier this year. I'm yeah, not, that Pats game was bad. That Pats bad. game was bad, and it's crazy because you look at these games like, you know, it's not. It's never. I I don't look at a loss where I'm like, well, there might have been a couple of games where you know, Joe Burr, like uh, Justin Herbert has you know thrown a couple of bad pick like bad interceptions. You know, he's given some games away. You know, he he like he is that he is that dude. We all have him as a top ten quarterback. This like coaching staff, like the Chargers need to get it together because you have your guy. You have your young guy, six six. You know, you know, young quarterback. You know, big. He's fast. Great arm strength. Yet, yet you're competing for a playoff spot. Like it's it's gonna be week eighteen, and you know you were out, you were out of a playoff spot this morning. Like like let's think about that. Um, but you know, onto the LA Rams side, they've they've you know they've clinched the playoff spot. They're probably gonna get the one seed. Sorry, they're probably going to get the division. They're probably going to get a home game. I look at that. I look at them as a team as a whole. If I'm comparing quarterbacks, I would give Justin Herbert the slight edge over Stafford, even though it's not that much of an edge, because Stafford has quietly had a very good season. But, you know, the LA Rams. Man, he wasn't very good today. He wasn't very good, but I'm not yeah. going to diminish what he's done all season. It, these, however, you are right. You, are, you, you did make a good point, Zach. These past two weeks have not been good. Like, yes, they won against the Vikings. And they won today, but he has not looked very good. Um, and, you know, we also haven't really seen him in the postseason. And that's something we haven't seen him a lot in the postseason. I don't think he's won a game in the playoffs. Um, but you look at that team, though, that defense. You got two of probably, what, the five best defensive players on that defense. Um, obviously, there was a little scuffle between Taylor Rapp and Jalen Ramsey today. I'm sure, you know, they hugged it out. Actually, I'm not too sure Jalen Ramsey hugs anyone. But, um you know, I, I really like I really like this Rams team. I like their defense. If they if they get a consistent run game, whether it's Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson, 
Cam Akers coming back, don't sleep on that. You know, Cam Akers coming back is going to be really big. So um, I, if I had to pick one, I like, I like, I, I like the Rams. You know, they're my Super Bowl pick. I like them. I think, you know, they, I think they can beat Tampa. Uh, it's all going to come down to if they can beat Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. But then again, that's going to come down to anybody in the, uh, in, like, in the, uh, in the NFC. And same thing in, in you know, uh, in, the, um, in the AFC. Can anybody go to Arrowhead, which, like, I know Tennessee is the one seed. I'm not sold on them. I don't think they're a true one seed. Can anybody go to Arrowhead and, you know, beat the Chiefs? So it's, it's very similar situations. The Rams have already, you know, clinched their, their postseason berth. The Chargers have yet to. It's going to come down to it. But if the Chargers can get into the playoff, and, you know, you said everyone's healthy, two great receivers, a pretty decent back, defense is a little bit iffy. You know, Derwin James, Derwin James hasn't been fully healthy. So if I had to look at all of these, you know, factors, I'm going with the LA Rams. Yeah, Jeremy, um, I, I, I agree with you. I think that the Rams, between the Rams and the Chargers, the Rams are the better team. Like, they are – I think if you put the Rams against the Chargers, I think more times than none, the Rams are going to win that matchup. But for me, and I, it's, it's, it's what Zach said, it's about the path to the Super Bowl. And I think that the Chargers could be one of those wildcard teams that actually make it to, to the Super Bowl. And uh, just and it's, it's just more than the Rams because I don't think that they can really – I just again, it's just the difficulties that they have to go through throughout the postseason just to get to the Super Bowl. I think that's harder than the Chargers just staying above water in the postseason in general. So I like the Rams as a better team, but postseason, I think I'll have to go with Chargers. I completely agree with you, Max. You know, as a Chargers fan, the Chargers have been wildly inconsistent this year, probably the most inconsistent team in the NFL. I think Um, so too. You know, when they're healthy, they, they look good. Like I, I think we all agree. Um, you know, we wouldn't even be having this talk, you know, if certain guys were available against the Texans. Like that Texans game was so hard to watch as a Chargers fan when we have third string and practice squad linebackers playing defensive end and defensive tackle because we don't have enough guys or that are healthy and like you know, non-COVID. So it's just you know, yeah, we wouldn't even be in this conversation about the Chargers not even making the playoffs. But I think they go into Vegas, handle their business. You know, hopefully, like, they could go against Tennessee. I think we match up good against Tennessee here, especially with all of Tennessee's injuries. Yep. You know, or if it's the Chiefs, like, we went into Arrowhead already, beat them. We have a history of going into Arrowhead and beating them in big games. Um, you know, Buffalo's been inconsistent this year. You know, I, the Chargers, you know, they might go into the first round and lose, but I just think they have a better chance. Like, we're talking better chance of going and winning the Super Bowl. And I just think the Chargers have the better path. And, you know, they have, you know, when healthy, a squad to do it. And I, and I you know, they, I, like I said, they could go into the first round and lose. But I just think they have a higher percentage of, of going and winning the Super Bowl than the Rams with their harder path. Yeah, and I think um, – I'm just going to say right now, I'm taking the Bills over the Chargers as of right now. The Bills have turned things around. I'm taking the Bills over the Chargers. I, I, I'm i sorry. I, I will too, but um, it's not an open and shut case. 
And the cheat, and uh, as Zach said, the Chargers have probably been the most inconsistent team in football this year. But they've shown that they can that they can lose against anybody. But they've also shown that they can win against anybody. They're a very they're a very flip floppity team, and I just think that they could go they can go on a hot streak, and they can have all their players back, and management can pick it up, and they can really just hammer down. Um, everything a little bit just finally maybe make some postseason moves and not just get eliminated in the first round here's the thing i'm looking at these matchups here boys suppose the rams stay the two seed they're going to get two home playoff games rams eagles like i'm taking the rams uh the rams yeah. over the bucks or the cowboys i'll take the rams over the cowboys uh it's probably yeah. gonna like the buccaneers and rams though that's gonna be a good game um and but you know the Rams have been the Bucks. You know it's all gonna come down to you know the same. It's the same situation. You Zach, you've said Justin Herbert has gone into Arrowhead and been the Kansas City Chiefs, which he has. I'm not taking that away from them. But this like, but let's be, but let's be real. The Kansas City Chiefs are a different team than what they were from you know what they were in um uh, September, I believe. But at the so it they they both have tough routes to go to the Super Bowl. I I like the Rams matchups more. To be completely honest with you, um, Zach, maybe you can talk about the defense now that everybody's healthy. How do you how do you like them heading into some of these matchups, specifically with the, their quarterbacks? Um, I think the biggest test is if you get because if you think about it, you you're gonna get Kansas City the first round if you stay at that last wild card spot. How do you feel about that? You, yeah, Jeremy. Um, the defense the last time the the Chargers played the Chiefs, you know what happened in the fourth quarter. Travis Kelsey happened to the Chargers, and yeah. you know there was there's there were some big injuries um, in the linebacking core, you know, and safety. Who wasn't playing for the for that game? Derwin James wasn't playing for the last three quarters. Who did the Chargers match up on? Uh, Travis Kelsey, Derwin James, and Derwin, Derwin James, James does a good job. Healthy. If Derwin James is healthy, man, he's a game changer. This guy and can't... he looked good today. He was, was healthy he... today, and he looked good. You know, he should have had two interceptions. He dropped both of them. That didn't matter in the long run, but it was it, it, he was in the right positions at the right time. He's a game wrecker. He got I, he had multiple quarterback hits, and uh, uh, I think he forced a turnover today. Um, he, he, he on Kelsey would be huge for him to stay healthy. Uh, Drew Tranquil, a guy that I love, a uh, Notre Dame product, he is injured right now. He's one of the Chargers starting linebackers. But, you know, Joey Bosa and uh, Ichena Nuosu uh, pass rushing duo looked good today. They're, they were healthy. We finally got our interior defensive line healthy. And, you know, we were st- stuffing the run against a uh, hot rookie and uh, Javante Williams today and uh, former Charger Melvin Gordon, you know, Linval Joseph, uh, uh, Giants Christian legend. Covington. Christian Covington, Canadian legend, uh, Justin Jones, we're stuck in the run. Asante Samuel, I know Max loves him, was looking good today. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. was looking good today. Nasir Adderley, you know, super high uh, on him out of Delaware, and I was so happy the uh, Chargers grabbed him in the second round. Even Jerry Tillery, who I know Chargers fans hate, was looking good today. So, you know, if everything is clicking here, you know, this Chargers team, I think, matches up well against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, maybe Kansas City is probably a better team. 
and there's some better teams uh, out there, but they don't match up well against Kansas City. The Chargers have the playmakers to beat Kansas City. And you know what? Like what their GM has done, the Chargers GM here, it they know what who the Chiefs are. They have Patrick Mahomes and they built to beat the Chiefs because they're in their division for, you know, for eternity, basically, right? So the Chargers have, have these weapons here. I I agree with you, Zach. I, I think that they have uh, I think they have the, the the talent on the team, on the defense, and on the offense to make a run. Try to do, try try to do something with the talent they have. But uh, I think a coach needs to get a a bit a bit more stable for them. And uh, well, I mean, I guess that's really it because there's not a whole lot of glaring holes on on that team when fully healthy. Yeah, and, you know, Coach Staley, it, you know, the Chargers fans about Anthony Lynn, their, their old coach, is he didn't have the balls a lot of the time, right? And uh, uh, Staley definitely has the balls. You know, you saw that in their uh, first win against the Chiefs. He went for it on fourth down. They converted all the time. They have one of the highest fourth down conversions uh, in the league heading into that second meeting with the Chiefs. And, you know, shit doesn't go right. And lots of people are going, why didn't you take the points? Well, it was because they beat the Chiefs the first time going on fourth down. So he bites the bullet there. You know, it looks bad. But, you know. Are you talking about you know, Mizak? Are you talking about Mizak? Because I was really confused. You and multiple other people were ripping me because there's not a lot of Chargers <laughs> fans. So I got a lot of, uh, at, like, asking me, what's Staley doing here? But, um, you know. If we think about this, you know, if they don't have a fumble on the one-yard line, if they, you know, Darnold Parham almost gets paralyzed, like, in the end zone, like, and if, if something freakish doesn't happen to him, he catches that ball for a touchdown on fourth down. You know, a lot of stuff just didn't go the Chargers' way in that second meeting. And, you know, Kelsey cooked the Chargers in the fourth, uh, fourth quarter in overtime. Derwin James is on Kelsey. I I would favor Derwin James to be completely honest in those scenarios. Ooh, okay, okay, that's in little... those scenarios. In those scenarios, look at the history when Derwin James is on uh, Travis Kelsey. I I'm mean, not he's taking only away. Been healthy for like three times of those, like for three of those games. But I'll I'll watch the film. I won't discredit that. I'll watch the film. And and he, you know, like I'm not taking anything away from this Rams team as well. Like. You mentioned, look at how this team is. They battled through a lot of adversity. Um, you know, they're a really good team. And, you know, they honestly, you know, I have them in my NFC championship game, but I just don't think they make it to the Super Bowl. You know, like I said, the Chargers are hit or miss. And, you know, I, I'm saying that they, they hit here. And then another thing I pointed out, or will point out here, the Rams are in it to win the Super Bowl here. They... They don't have a lot of cap space next year. And on the other hand, the Chargers have the most projected cap space in the entire league. So are you talking these are about teams pressure? like... Are you talking about pressure here, Zach? Yeah, I'm talking pressure. The Rams have some pressure on them to get it I done agree. while the Chargers don't really have pressure. So, you know, there's a lot of things to factor in. You know, I might be a good just point, a Zach. biased, crazy Chargers fan, but, you know, that's just what I think. Okay, Zach. Okay. You, are, you are a biased, crazy Chargers fan, but that's good. Facts. I definitely – okay, but here's the thing, though. If the Chargers can beat the Chiefs, 
I think I think it's a wrap. I think there's no team in the AFC that really scares me besides maybe the Bengals. Because the Chiefs are the team to beat. I'm not scared of the Tennessee Titans. They don't scare me. Depends on if they get King Henry back, then I'd be a little concerned. But um, you look at it. They beat the Chiefs. Like you got Buffalo, you got Buffalo and the Bengals, and you know they they might win their matchups. But I mean the the Chargers are just a team. Like if things like there's not a team that they can't beat, and you can say that for a lot of these teams. I feel the same way about the Bengals. Uh, I'm a little hesitant on the Buffalo Bills because they have not shown that they can run the ball outside of Josh Allen. Um, the Indianapolis Colts. This team reminds me a lot of the 2019 Tennessee Titans, where if they can get the, if they can get Jonathan Taylor running, you know they can get you know their quarterback to make some plays. They have a good defense. They, they can make a run too. This team is eerily similar to the 2019 Tennessee Titans. But well, now we spent a lot of time talking about you know the how the uh, the Rams. Uh, sorry, the, how the uh, Chargers match up with the Chiefs because it's looking that if they do get that final wild card, that's going to be the matchup. And, you know, from so on going forward, how do we feel right now about suppose we go to the NFC championship? How do we like the matchup between the Packers and the Rams? Max, I can let you go first here. Yeah, that's a good question. I, hmm, that's a good one. I can't bet against Aaron Rodgers though. That's, that's my number one thing. And Ah, you call me off guard with this, Jeremy. You can bet against Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game, though. You know what? You, you, uh, you absolutely can, though. You absolutely that, – that's right. Oh, okay. Do we do, – okay, if, that might be a bit of a stumper, but, like, let's be real, though. I'm, we, we also forgot there's a, there's a 44-year-old in, you know, Florida that, you know, might have some things to say about this NFC Championship match. <laughs> that's – I know. Like I'm I'm taking I'm taking the, the Bucks over the Packers and the Rams. But if it's Packers or Rams, I think I I think I think I have to go with the Packers. It's they've they've surprised me a lot this season uh, on defense and on offense. Aaron Rodgers really stepped up after all the pressure that was put on him. He certainly is delivering. They have a great record. Uh, I think Matt LaFleur is one of the one of the best coaches in the NFL, if not the best coach in the NFL. And I, I, I can't I can't bet against them right now. I can't I can't bet against this season Aaron Rodgers. He he has something to prove, I think. Zach talked about that um Travis Kelsey Derwin James matchup, and that's something to look forward to. I don't think it even compares to the matchup we're gonna see with Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey again. I was gonna just mention that, Kermit. I was just thinking, like I was exactly on the same page as you. I was thinking of the matchups um uh, in that uh you know, Packers versus uh, Rams, uh, you know, I guess, prediction, NFC Championship game. You know, how does Aaron Donald do against that Packers interior without Corey Lindsley in, in, as the center? How does Devontae Adams fare against Jalen Ramsey and vice versa? How does, you know, the coaches, Sean McVay versus Lafleur? how does that go? It's super, super interesting how that game would go, and I would favor the Packers, I think it would be in you know, a very close game and fun game, but you know, it it'd be super fun to watch that game. I I can't even express how much like joy that would be to watch. All right, boys, quickly to to wrap it up. 
Uh, we, we, we talked a lot about the matchups. Zach, Chargers or Rams? Oh, you know, we're, I, you know, I just got a no- notification on my phone that the Chargers are going to be playing that Sunday night. They fixed it. So Sunday night, full Chargers versus Raiders. Playoff Im- implications on the lines. The Chargers are going to steamroll the Raiders in Las Vegas. They're going to go onto the road in Arrowhead, shock the world on a Dustin Hopkins field goal last second to win it. And they're going to go all the way to the Super Bowl, baby. Let's Max, go Chargers. Max let's, make, Max, let's make sure we clip this so, you know, when it doesn't happen, we can laugh at Zach. Um, Max, who's Abs- your pick? Absolutely. <laughs> Max, Chargers or Rams? Rams. I got, I got Ram, Rams over Chargers. I, I got the Rams too. Moving on to our next segment, transitioning into basketball, uh, we've uh, decided to take a look at both conferences in the NBA and just discuss which one we think is more difficult. Uh, we're going to give the floor to our basketball, Max. Max, who do you got? Uh, well, I think anyone that has uh, watched basketball in the recent years, especially with domination by the Warriors, uh, will say that the West has been the better conference for quite a while, I would say. But I think this year really is the new year for the East teams. It's getting back into kind of that Jordan era with a lot of the original teams just looking looking really good this year. You have the uh, you have the Magic and the, the Pistons with six and seven wins. And, I mean, that's terrible. But when you look at the step above that, you look at the Indiana Pacers, and they have 14 wins. And then from there, it just gets better and better. But when you look at the West, they have a consistent number of teams that aren't doing very good. Like, for example, uh, you have the the Pelicans, who have 13 wins. Houston has 10. You got OKC with 13, Portland with 13, Sacramento with uh, – or sorry, San, sorry. San Antonio with 14, Sacramento with 16, Minnesota with 16. And so you can see that they're a big bulk of their teams are in roughly the same, uh, like, mid-category, below-mid-category. Well, in the East, a lot of these teams could go to the playoffs and no, no one would be surprised. Like, you have uh, Indiana, Atlanta, New York, Toronto, Boston, Washington, Charlotte, all from the 7th to the, to the 14th seed, or 13th seed, my bad. And... If any of those went to the playoffs, it wouldn't be a huge shock to the basketball world. But I think a, I think a lot of people would be shocked if from Sacramento down, Sacramento, San Antonio, Portland, OKC, New Orleans, or Houston, I think a lot of people would be shocked to see them go to the playoffs. And in the East, even when you look up top with Chicago and Brooklyn and Milwaukee and Miami, um, and along with Cleveland, got got to, got to give Cleveland a shout out. They've been doing great this season, especially without Colin Sexton. But any of those teams by the end of the season could be at the one, two, three, four, or five seed. Like I think that the East is just they have better teams. I think the best team in the East, uh, or sorry, like the five best teams in the East will be better than the five best teams in the West. But saying that, you see, on the West they have the Suns and the Golden State Warriors both with 28 wins, both looking like the two best teams in the league. But after that, there's a drop-off to Utah with 26. There's a drop-off to Memphis with 23. There's a drop-off to uh, Denver with 18. 
I think like, it starts after the four seed. I think I wouldn't say 26, 28 to 26 to 23 is a drop off. Like, I think it starts at uh, the five seed, which is Denver, who's 18 and 16, 18 and 16. I would say I would, I'm, I, if you compare it to uh, the East, though, if you look at the, if you look at the first five teams, the only two win drop off is between Miami and Cleveland. And that's happening at the second and third in, in the West. And then there's, then there's a three uh, game drop off and there's a five game drop off in wins where in the East, it's just a much closer race. Well, that's fair. That's fair. But, but uh, I think that they are, uh, I think that the East is finally, it's time to shine as the, as the superior conference. So I, I think I'm going to go with the East over the West this year. Max, I'm going to agree with you because based on the simple fact that I think a lot of teams in there are more teams in the East that have improved than there have in the West. I'm going to say, for example, the fact that the Lakers are the eighth seed and are a game below oh. 500, um, you know, wasting one of LeBron's prime years is insane to me. Uh, you've got the Portland Trailblazers who have been just a constant, you know, playoff threat for like the past, what, uh, five, six years who are just 13 and 22. Um, they look like a mess. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, I've expected a lot more out of them. They've been disappointing. OKC, they're where I thought they were going to be. Um, Minnesota and Sacramento, you know, they're always 9-10 seeds. You know, obviously, you know, they've, they're going to benefit from having a play, opportunities with the play-in. Um, but I look, I look at, like, probably, you know, the Golden State Warriors, man. The fact that they're doing this all without Klay Thompson, that speaks to, you know, that speaks to them. But as far as conference-wise, I mean, I'm looking at, like, the East, man. Shout-out to the Cleveland Cavaliers, man. You mentioned it. What they're doing is incredible, man. I love that, you know. At first, my big concern, my, my concern is that they had a lot of big men. But, um, you know, for, like, they're making it work, you know, with Mobley, Love, they, they, marketing. Yeah, they, they, they've used them well this season. Kevin Love dropped 35 the other night, turning back to hands of time. I've always, I've always, I've always loved me some Kevin Love, no pun intended. Um, you know. <laughs> I think that with the play-in, is it, it's made it really easier for mediocre teams to compete. For example, um, you know, you look at, like, teams that will be competing for the play-in. They're all either 500 or a game below 500, with the exception of the Charlotte Hornets, who are one game above 500. Whereas in uh, the Dallas – sorry, whereas in the Western Conference, everyone's either 500 or below. So, you know, you got the Lakers are below 500. Minnesota's three games below 500. Sacramento is six games below 500. Um, you know, my New York Knicks are three games below 500 and are the 11 seed, which, you know, that's, that's tough. I had, uh, a, had, a, had a pretty big loss today against uh, the, um, uh, the Toronto Raptors, which we don't really have to get into. Uh, but as far as, like, you know, teams, like, conference that I – if I had to give you one – I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference with how many big dogs they have. You know, the three, you know, the three, you know, big dogs in like the in the East right now. You've got Chicago Bulls with DeMar DeRozan, who's emerged as an MVP candidate, might be the MVP. Uh, Brooklyn, you've got Kevin Durant, James Harden. Kyrie's coming back. Uh, still the second best team in New York. Uh, you've got the, the Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> with, uh, you know, their seven foot monster of their own. And in, in, in the West, there's only really two teams that scare me, to be completely honest with you. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not scared of the Utah Jazz. They are the, the definition of a regular no. season. They are the definition of a regular season team. Memphis, love it, still too young. 
Denver Nuggets, shout out to Nikola Jokic. I think he's one of the three best players in the league, but he has, that's just too much for him to overcome without Jamal Murray. Um, the Clippers, you know, they're doing it right now without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. That's tough. And Serge Ibaka. Uh, Dallas, yep. Dallas, Luka's been disappointing this year. Um, I'm sorry. I, I know he's been injured. I know he's had COVID. He still, you know, he still hasn't been, you know, the Luka Doncic I thought he was going to be. And then the Lakers. I mean, probably the biggest shit show in, uh, in, in basketball right now. So as far as, you know, conferences, I'm going to give it to the East. I like that. I like that. You Zach, know, what, what about you? For me, I'm still going to have to give it to the West. You know what? You know, right now, I think you look at the, the conferences right now, the East is the better uh, is better right now and just, like, the wins and losses type of thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned this before. I think some teams in the East are overperforming and some teams in the West are underperforming. And I think it's I enough agree. To- and I think it's going to balance uh, itself out here. Like, at the end of the season, we're going to see the West truly be the best team. I think the West is going to finish out being the, the stronger conference here. But, you know, we mentioned the Cavaliers. Like, I, I quote, like tell me if I'm wrong, but aren't the Cavaliers, like, the, the fourth seed right now? They're like, the fifth seed right now. They're the fifth seed right now. Like, that's just crazy with, like... It I mean, is. They're... Without Colin Sexton, without arguably their best player, they're the, they're the fifth seed. It's really yeah. impressive. Like, that's just crazy. And, like, look at all those... Like, we, we've all talked about how they drafted Evan Mobley and, like, brought in Markinen and, like, still have Kevin Love. Like, like how they're... <laughs> and Jared Allen's still there. Like, how they've allowed these guys to still, like, play good basketball is just beyond me but i think they're gonna fall back to reality here in a bit you know we got teams like the hornets uh or night like over 500 the wizards are 18 and 18 you know um some teams are just overperforming in the east um the bulls are 24 and 10 like i think they're they've proven they're a good team but i think they're gonna fall off Nah, dude, Bulls are legit. The Bulls are legit. I'm, 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 I'm riding with the Bulls. The Bulls are legit. I was, I was not high on the Bulls. I thought Demar wasn't a good signing, and I eat my words. Absolutely eat my words. That was, that was the best signing of the free agency. I, I agree with you, Jeremy. But I also see some flaws in the Bulls. So I, I don't know though. I don't know. Okay, but I don't think they're gonna fall off to the point where they're gonna be competing for a play. And I think at worst they're gonna fall to the fourth seed. No, no, yeah. no. When I when I say fall off, I mean they're not going to be twenty four and ten with that winning percentage. I, yeah. I, I think they're they're going to finish off around that three seed, maybe fight for that two seed. But, um, but anyways, like I just think some teams are overperforming here: the Cavs, the Hornets, the Wizards. Um, you know, but there is some underperforming teams in the East. Don't get me wrong; like the Celtics are the nine seed, the Raptors are the ten. 11 is the Knicks, 12 is the Hawks. Like, all those teams, I think, before the season would have started, I think almost all those teams, we would have said, would have been in the playoffs, you know, with the exception of maybe the Raptors and the Knicks fighting for that playing seed. But then we go to the West, and Jeremy listed off all those, like, in- key injuries, right? Nuggets yeah. are doing this all without Jamal Murray. And we saw, like, in the bubble in the last couple of seasons, 
how important Jamal Murray really is to that team. Like, and how important it is to take a little bit of the load off of uh, Jokic there. You know, the Lakers are uh, below 500. They're underperforming. Like Jeremy said, the Timberwolves are always that, like, 7 to 10 seed. But I thought they would take a little bit of a leap here. They're 16 and 19. The Spurs always seem to make the playoffs somehow. They're 14 and 21. I think some of these teams are going to pick it up here. I think Luke is going to get his crap together. I think the the Mavs are uh, – Kristoff hasn't been that bad this year. He's looked good this year, Kristoff. Yep. And he I think the, the Mavs are – look average. <laughs> Medium. I like Kristoff. Uh, for somebody that said they point. loved Kristoff. <laughs> yeah, he broke your heart. So that's why you hate him. He broke my but heart. But, like, you know, like the Clippers without PG and Kawhi are 19 and 18. You know, I think I just think that there's underperforming teams in the West and overperforming teams in the East. I think we'll find a balance here in, uh, you know, when it comes to playoff times. I mean, like, how, how far are we into the season? Like, we're not even halfway into the season right now. So, yeah. you know, right now the East is the better conference just based on stat-wise and, like, you know, wins and losses. But I just mm-hmm. think the West, like if, if, if we're being completely honest with you, if, if we're saying the eight, eight seed in the, the West or the West going against uh, the number eight seed in the East, that's the Wizards versus the Lakers. Who are we taking in that <laughs> matchup? Like Probably the Wizards, actually, to be completely honest with you. Right uh, now, right now I'm taking the Wizards, but Zach, I know what you mean. I yeah. think that I think that it'll balance out towards the end. Like like I said, or like like you said, sorry, right now the East is the best. But I think in uh I think by the end of the season it will balance itself out and we'll see a little more a little more regularity in the standings. Like right now the fifth seed is the Nuggets in the West and five is the Cavaliers. And the Cavaliers have a way better record. Like that, that's just absurd to me. I know it doesn't make crazy. any sense. We need to put some respect on the Cavaliers' name. Like they're, uh, can't go. They have my. They have a lot of guys that I really like on that team. Like Darius Garland, Sexton's obviously hurt. My man, Laurie Markinen, the finisher. I love that guy. K Love, Jared Allen carrying my fantasy team right now. Like I actually love a lot of guys on the Cavaliers. So I will play a little bit. JB Bickerstaff is doing a good job. Like I want him to get his credit. Man, and the Knicks, I know the Knicks are breaking your heart, Gurmy, but they're breaking my heart. I really love the Knicks. I really want them to do good. I and bet you do, Max. They, I bet you do. They, they're they really just struggling here. I, I just I just look at the pieces and, like, one day it looks like it fits and everything looks fantastic. You know, Kemba came back, had a 44-point game. Next game he's shooting, you know, two, two for 12 from the field. The pieces just don't fit, you know. I think, you know, I want them to go back to, you know, developing RJ. I really want to see them, you know, develop Obi Top, and I really like him quickly. Uh, you know, Quentin Grimes is the guy that needs more minutes. He he his shot looks fantastic. Uh, he can he he reminds me a little bit of Bogey for uh, the Utah Jazz. I feel like he that's the type of player he can be, which is actually a really good player. You know, like don't get it confused, Bo, mm-hmm. Bo, like Boyan the bucket. Um, but, dude. but I will say, I will say, I like the pieces that the Knicks have, and I'll say that I'll say it again. I think it's coaching and management. 
I like Thibodeau. Don't get me wrong. Thibodeau's a good coach. I'm not saying it's entirely on him. He's, he's a great coach. He's a good – well, you can't say he's a great coach really right now because of the – We'd be the same if we were in the West. Like, that, that, like, I think the East is harder solely because of that reason. The fact that the fact that the team is seven games below five hundred and is in like a play in is is total like bonkers to me. The the like the Nick the Knicks man this year like we've been in games we've lost some winnable games we dropped two games to the Magic which I just find hilarious. Um, man, it's been tough. Like the pieces aren't there. Um, it, like obviously I I talked about Obi, but like it goes back. You know this team really needed a guard that could make plays. And you know I'm looking at what. Uh, Tyrese is doing in um, Sacramento. Like the Knicks had an opportunity to draft him and they didn't, you know? Okay, Gurmy, actually, I'll give you this. It, it, it might not even be the coaching. It might be like the front office. Nah, dude, I, I, don't, mean, I don't think it is because the, I love what Worldwide West is doing. Obviously, you know, you've got um, Leon Rose, uh, you know, Scott Perry, Steve Mills. Actually, I'm sure uh, Steve, I'm, I'm not sure if both of them are still there, but I know Steve Mills is still there. Um, Obviously, yeah, you got the gremlin and uh, James Dolan still there. So, you know, that's uh, that's always going to be there. But, dude, you know, it looked like, you know, they were, um, you know, they were um, like they, they would be able to overcome some of this stuff last year. You know, it looked like, you know, you had a legitimate MVP candidate in one Julius Randle. You had a six-man candidate in, in you know, D-Rose. Like, you know, the team was, like came together. It came together at the right time. We had, like, 10 games above 500. We finished season 10 games above 500. And, you know, now you bring in pieces and this team was supposed to take a step forward. Like you bring in an Evan Fournier, you bring in a Kemba Walker, you know, like you draft Quentin Grimes, you, you draft a Deuce McBride, you know, Jericho Sims, athletic guy. Um, this team should have been better. And I don't know what it is because you can't just say, oh, it's coaching and it's management because everybody who was on the team when we were the fourth seed last year, we brought everybody back this year. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to go and say that it's coaching and management. And just before, just l- l- let me say this. One guy that I'm super high on, I've always been super high on, is uh, Mitchell Robinson. Me too. I think that he has Rudy Gobert tendencies. I think that he can be absolutely deadly. But me too. He is not getting the minutes that he needs. And I don't know what reason that is. It could be conditioning. It could be whatever. I don't think there's a lot of players in Mitchell Robinson's position, though, that's looking for a big contract that doesn't want those minutes, though. They're giving, them, they're giving them to Nerlens Noel, who is for sure a good defender. But I would say Mitchell Robinson is a better defender than him. He is. He is, he a, is. I think, he, I think it's he's a- better in the paint offensively. He has one of the highest field goal percentages in the NBA. He's not being incorporated into the offense when he really should. He's I shooting think- like 75% from the field right now. No, that's fair. That's fair criticism. I think it's been a mixture of injuries and, frankly, um, yeah, and injuries definitely. But and I also got to say this: they benched Kemba. Come on, I know I, he wasn't doing good. I know he wasn't doing good, but he is a veteran. He was an All Star. They needed his leadership somewhere on the court, and I he think, came back and he dropped forty four and he showed New York why he needs to be playing still. I think a player that's gone really under the radar and, you know, I think his season has kind of been wasted because, and he might be trade bait soon because, you know, the Knicks aren't properly utilizing him, but put some respect on my guy, Alec Burks, his name, you know, Hey, he's coming off the bench. I think, yep. I think right now he'd probably be the third best player on the Lakers. Like just, just putting that out there. You mean um, the next? No, no, no. Like you, 
the Lakers, <laughs> if the Lakers trade for Alec Burks, he's easy. get out of here. Damn. No, that's that's facts. Who's better than him? What Russell Westbrook? Okay. Um, yes. Are, yes, about, he is. No, he's not. Russell Westbrook is. <laughs> um, he's not better than Mister Eighteen Percent from Three. I will say that. Uh, and I'm talking about Anthony Davis. Um, but um, sorry. Uh, we're we're going off topic here. We, me and Max, talked a lot about the Knicks. Uh, <laughs> what, else, what else do you got to add? I just have two things to add to the Knicks. Um, you know, I really wanted to see the the development of the Maple Mamba. You know, I love me some Canadian athletes. You know, loved RJ. Um, I, I I thought we we're gonna see this next step. I watched him in the you know the FIBA qualifiers, um, or the Olympic qualifiers. Sorry, and he he looked like a man on a mission. He looked great there. He looked strong, athletic, poised. I had that leadership quality, so I wanted to see that next step. And, you know, uh, my last point, uh, Gurmy, we were talking about uh, how the the Knicks should have drafted a guard. I, I told you on draft night when I saw Tyrese's, uh, Tyrese Halliburton's girlfriend on draft night, I knew the Knicks should have drafted him because that guy is a winner on and off the court. Zach, oh, my God, Zach. Zach's just a weird guy. We're not, I'm, not gonna, <laughs> I'm not acknowledging that point. Um, acknowledging that Jeremy, you saw that. You I knew, don't know what you you're talking the Knicks about. should have drafted him. I was I texted the, you on draft night. I was watching the draft with my dad. I was not focused on anything else. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not indulging in this with you, Zach. But he is. He is a great player. I will say that. Um, I think winner on and off the court. I think you know he's got that Malcolm Brogdon in him. Uh, he can be a really you know not. I don't want to use the word serviceable because he's much better than that. I don't think he'll ever be an all-star, but I think, man, he can be a really good point guard in this league. Me too. Me too. But, yeah, no, dude, I mean, since you guys are dumping on the Knicks, I don't really want to dump on any of your teams because, you know, one, they're both doing better than mine at this point. The team that I really need to dump on is the New Orleans Pelicans, man. These guys are oh. these guys are garbage, man. I, I look, I, I Oh, like, that's my second favorite team. Yeah, and they're trash. <laughs> like most of the teams you cheer for, Zach. Um, uh, wow, says the Giants fans with negative wow. 10 passing yards today. Okay, negative 10 passing yards. Well, I've witnessed the Super Bowl, Zach. As I mentioned before, I witnessed the Super Bowl as a Giants fan as well. So you know that doesn't count. You no, I'm sorry. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> But, dude, you look at, like, the Pelicans, man. The fact that their best player right now is Jonas Valanciunas. No, it's, it's no. I know. It's so weird. Dude, they got absolutely destroyed by the Bucks the other day. Giannis absolutely clowned them for 35, 16, and 10, which he does on most nights. But, dude, I mean, I'm looking at, like, all the people on this team that just have not shown up. But, like, you know, Brandon Ingram, you know, like, Jonas Valanciunas, you know, uh, like Josh Hart, is, he hasn't been, you know, I, I don't want to say he's underperforming, but, you know, I thought he'd be better. Devontae Graham, man, this this dude, I, I mean, everybody thought he should have been most improved player that year. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, uh, his, him, he's, he, he's just absolutely awful from three. Um, but, you know, another guy, I mean, and the one guy we haven't even mentioned so far, Zion Williamson. You know, they have not handled his situation very well. I mean, like, you're a professional athlete, dude. It's your job to be in shape. You know, I think the Pelicans organization needs to take some credit, and I think Zion needs to take some credit. Like, dude, you know, you, you, you 
you are a face of a franchise. You were projected to be the next big thing, and you've shown that that you can be. But dude, you can't get your weight in order. Like, dude, it's it's crazy, man. It's it's hard. It's hard to look at it, man. Um, but the and, it, and it's 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 kind of it's just sad because these are like the prime of his. Like he's young, he's talented, he's full of energy and athleticism, and he can't get on the court because of like weight issues. It's just like. So, so something's got to change. You got to realize where you are and like the, the importance of it. Uh, but I kind I think he's pulling a Charles Barkley. If, if, if anyone knows that story back in uh what, what year did he get drafted? I, I think, I think that was 1986. He didn't want to get drafted by the 76ers. So he actually ate and didn't work out and put on weight for the purpose of the Sixers, not drafting him first. Obviously, that didn't work because they, they, they did draft him first. But I don't think that Zion is happy with the Pelicans organization. And I just think that he wants to go somewhere else. Like, at such a young age, too, I just I find it a little insane. But I, I, I really think that that's what's happening right now. He's going to he's gonna force his way out of New Orleans and uh, come to the Knicks and play with his buddy, RJ. Have you seen him when he, he comes to MSG, how much like his face lights up? Like he loves playing here. You know, he's going to be a stud here. And you know? I'm telling you, dude, it's coming. He's coming. He's coming to New York. Well, here's, here's hoping because they, they need something. Talking about uh, hopefully a superstar in uh, Zion coming to fruition. We can, uh, to to maybe the next big superstar on the ice here. Let's talk a little bit of uh, Tri- Trevor Zegras. Gurmi, you got your hot take ready for yeah, us? This might be a hot take, but this is my hot take. Um, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know I've talked to Zach and he feels slightly the same way. But I think that Trevor Zegras will be the Steph Curry of the NHL. And he- here's here's what I'm trying to say. Um, do I think he's ever going to have the impact that Steph has had on the NBA? I do not. Steph just hit 3,000 threes. Do I think anybody in, you know, uh, the, do I think anybody at all in the NHL can surpass what he's done like that in the, um, in the NHL? No, I don't think so. Um, what I mean by that is he's going to be, you know, a player that revolutionizes the game. Like you see Steph, like he revolutionized three point shot, but you look at what, um, you know, Trevor Zegers has done, you know, um, just, you know, his, he's, he's a very, you know, confident player. I love his attitude. He's a very goofy guy. He's a lot of personality. And, you know, as we transition into this new age of NHL, you know, we saw what he did against, you know, the Buffalo Sabres with that alley you pass, you know, say what you want about Connor McDavid. And yes, he's a stud. He's the best player in the league. But we've seen players hit like those kind of jukes. You know, we've seen players, you know, go through the legs, you know, you know, do those Forsberg, you know, tuck-ins. Like we've seen that. It's it's really impressive, but it's not something that we've never seen before. That alley you pass that he's like sauced over to Sonny Milano, I've never seen that before. I've never seen that attempted in an NHL game. Um, and and you see it like and the, what's the what's the main argument? Like or not argument, but like when we talk about Steph, we say that he revolutionized the game. You know, kids aren't doing you know the casual layup lines in practice anymore. They're not doing that. But, you know, they're shooting from midcourt. They're shooting, they're shooting threes. You know, they're doing those little curry. You know, they're, you know, they're trying to shoot, they're trying to shoot three-pointers. You know, kids come, like, you need, like, in the NBA, you have to be an efficient three-point, like, shooter to, like, to stick in this league. And that's what Steph has done. Now, do I think Travis Zegers will ever have that impact? No. But for the NHL, 
you know, you're going to see players get a little more creative. You know, I remember he, he had, I think it was a one-on-two and he had an opportunity to go backhand, but he didn't. He went between the legs. He missed, but the fact that he's creative enough to try this stuff, you know, you're going to see more kids doing it. You know, you've got old heads like my man, John Tortorella, doesn't like it. That's how you know he's a revolutionary player. If, if there's ever an analyst saying you shouldn't do that, that's how you know, like he's changing the game. So, and it's not just that, you know, everybody loves that because he's a relatable guy. You know, he's got that smile, you know, family man, very religious, you know, Trevor Zegers, well, see, we're going to learn more about him in the next couple of years, but you know, he is a very, um, you know, he is a very, um, you know, he's a very funny guy. I've, I've watched multiple interviews of him. You know, he grew up a Rangers fan, just like me. And, you know, I'll, I'm just gonna say, I love the guy. Like I watched, uh, I, I watched him, you know, I followed him when he's in the US NDTP. You know, I watched him in the World Juniors where he was an absolute menace. Um, you know, he, uh, he, he, like, you don't hear like players in the NHL guaranteeing victory as much, but, you know, he was talking that talk against Team Canada, talking about how, how overrated they were, how their goalie was a bum. And, you know, he, he gave them the business. I know Zach. Wow. I know. Wow. Zach, I, know, <laughs> I know Zach wasn't too happy um, uh, with me the next day, but he called, he, he talked his talk. He went into the gold medal game and he scored a goal, dude. Like that's like, you don't see players doing what he's doing. And, you know, he has the personality, he has the creativity, and I'm not saying he's a Steph Curry of hockey. Maybe that's like the wrong thing to say, but he's going to, he's going to, he's going to be one of these guys that revolutionizes hockey. And this might be a stretch, but I have so much faith in this dude. And, um, you know, I, I love me some Trevor Zegers. Zach, I know you're a, you're a big hockey guy. Uh, what, what do you got to add? Cause I know, I know you're not the biggest Zegers fan after uh, what he did to your boys back, or earlier this year, earlier in 2021. Yeah, to start off with, I hated Trevor Zegers at the start of this year, like, a lot. You know, the whole bucket incident or whatever that was, and then calling the greatest goaltending performance in World Junior history stat-wise, saying he was a bum and stuff like that, didn't rub me the right way. But but I performed, you know, good, good on him. Devin Levy's overrated. Like he's not. I I I take Carter Hart, Fukali, and their World Junior performances over him. He was overrated. I'm just gonna put that out there. Please continue, Zach. Stat wise, best performance ever. But anyways, um, you know, <laughs> didn't like him. He's guaranteeing this. He's talking his shit. You know, good on him. Good on him. He goes out there, performs. Good on him. But you know what? The NHL needs more guys like this guy. You know, you're talking about Connor McDavid. I think we can all agree. Connor McDavid, for being the best player in the world and like the face of the NHL, that guy's boring. He's a nerd. I watched his GQ interview and I literally almost fell asleep. Like, great player, but like, as far as like to market like a league around, dude, he's so boring. Like, <laughs> there's no personality to him. You, like Trevor Zegers is not on Conor McDavid's level. Like I'm not even gonna go there. But dude, he's fun. He's exciting. You love you love guys like him. Conor McDavid literally in his uh, GQ interviews like, oh yeah, um, I got my AirPods and I, and I have my hockey stick. And I'm like, dude, really? This guy was saying <laughs> he needs black licorice. He was like, yeah, back in the day, me and my friends eat a black licorice. And I'm like, dude, first of all, black licorice. <laughs> That's a red flag. And the way he was talking, I was like, God damn it. This is our best rep- representation of hockey. We're never going <laughs> to grow the sport with this guy. Part of hey, Connor, McDavid, 
he's so boring. He's like, he's, I, he, I don't even know how to describe this guy. I can go on and on and on about how much I dislike Connor McDavid's personality, but I won't because I will go on to a big rant. But anyways, Trevor Zegras is a likable guy. You listen to his interviews. He's like a little kid. He's going to, like I, like Gurmy said, he's going to revolutionize the game. You know, it's already, hockey's already going into like the kids doing the Michigans and all this. You know, I'm a hockey referee. I can see the little kids, like they're pulling off and I'm like, holy crap, this is like impressive stuff. Like, like the stuff they're doing. So like Trevor Zegras is good for the game of hockey. More and more players are going to start doing this. And he's just a good personality. Like, we get more focused on, like, the good personalities of hockey because there's so many. Like, look at Biz. Look at Ryan Whitney. Look at these guys. And then we're focusing on Connor McDavid. Like, oh, my God. Did you guys see his house? His house is literally black and white. It's black and white. There's no other color in the house. It's black and white. Boys, boys. Part of me respects that because you know Conor McDavid, like, <laughs> like he's all pocket, like he's all business, which I can respect. Like, I don't want to shit on him too much. Like, like he's the greatest hockey player in the world for a reason. Like, I'm just gonna put that out there. But Zach, I totally get what you're trying to say. But it's it's like it's like it's like you know, kids are gonna want to be are want to be doing what Trevor Zegers is doing. Like, they're gonna do these saucer passes. You know, they got a breakaway. You know, they're they're not just gonna like go forehand backhand. They're gonna like go between the legs. You know, if they score a goal, they're going to absolutely chuck their sticks in the crowds now. I'm telling you, Zach, you're going to have to eject a kid for doing that sooner or later. Like, it's coming. I definitely will. These kids are going to be menaces on the ice. I'm not <laughs> ready for it. Dude, it's it's crazy. But, man, I, I love this dude ever, like, ever since he called out, like, Devin Levy for being overrated, man. I thought that was – obviously, I thought, like, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, no, dude. Like, we're screwed. Devin Levy is about to have the performance of a lifetime. But man, oh my God! Legacy game incoming that did not have. It was a leg. I it was it was all set up to be the legacy game of like the World Juniors history. But I don't know, dude. Travis Zegers, you know, called him out, and he was right. You know, I, 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 dude, the NHL needs it. NHL has been waiting for a guy like this. I don't really think there's been a guy like this since Sean Avery. But Sean Avery, you know, as a Rangers fan, like he wasn't that good. We've got a dude that can talk his talk does these crazy moves and he's actually a good player so i'm i'm really excited to see him you cannot compare sean avery to trevor zeke no (laughs) you cannot i mean it in the sense that they're both i wouldn't say outspoken but like they both are like guys and because they're not a lot of dudes in the nhl that have like a, a wide personality and like when i think of dudes in the nhl with like personalities personalities think of pk suban sean avery and trevor zegers now I, there's not a lot. You heard Sean it here first. A bully, Sean Avery. He was just mean. At least, at least, at least, Zegras. He has something behind it. Sean Avery was just like, "Go brush your teeth, you idiot." <laughs> you heard it here first. Trevor Zegras in 20 years will be riding the streets of New York in a bicycle, swearing up pedestrians, smoking cigarettes. It's not what I said at all, but okay. Man, but dude, I'm telling you boys right now, watch out for Trevor Zegras. I, I like it, and uh, it's I, you. You said it correctly because no one can be the like the Steph Curry of hockey because there's only one Steph Curry. But I know what you mean. He's he's she's trying to re- re- revolutionize uh, a play of style or uh, uh, a style of play here. And so just to have fun with it, teach the kids a bit more. 
be a little, be a little flashier, be a little more outspoken. So we're, we're I, see- I agree that he can have the impact on hockey that Curry had on basketball. We're going to see possibility. Lot- oh, for sure. We're going to see a lot of dudes in the NHL be a lot more creative because of him. I'm telling you right now, dudes are going to be doing these lob passes between the legs, you know, like more interesting celebrations. Like even the celebrations in the NHL, they're all the same. You're going to do a fist pump. You're going to maybe go down one knee. Like you're going to like jump into the boards, but like you're not really going to do anything that's out there, out there. Like, like we see in the NFL or we see in the NBA, like if Trevor Zegers scores another like, like overtime goal, like he's just going to, like I'm telling you, he's going to absolutely like Spear that stick it like he's gonna take somebody's eye out when he throws it into the crowd. Like he he's gonna have so much fun. And the thing I love the most about him is it's a dude that really you can tell he loves the game. And that's what I get from Steph. Like he loves hockey and he's gonna show you why he loves the game. And ultimately that shouldn't be seen as a slight. If you love what you do, you should have fun with it. It should not right. get the chore. Like a lot of these dudes sometimes in the NHL, just by looking at their faces, like obviously it's not how they feel, but it looks like it's a chore for them. And I hate that. I want you to have fun. Yeah, I I agree. When, when I see players come in with a smile, it makes me like them. It makes me like the game more because I know they're having fun playing it. And that's fair. Yeah, how, how, how are we going to spread the game of hockey? You know, lots of people, hockey is probably – Number four, and you know, the NBA or like the NHL is number four behind the NBA, MLB, you know, NFL, right? And you know, sports like MMA, boxing, like soccer, all catching up in the states. How are we going to improve like the popularity of, of hockey? Is one international, like all these small small countries in Europe and stuff like that internationally growing it. Number two is getting good characters in the game and spreading like spreading the news of like these characters in the media and stuff, giving publicity. Wow. And that's what the NHL is starting to do with Zgrass and it's good for the game of hockey. Good personality. Connor McDavid's a nerd. Thank you very much. <laughs> Zgrass wow. is going to change the game of hockey one way or another, help improve it. Wow. Thank you all. Thank you, boys, for uh, essentially agreeing with me. I thought that was a hot take, but uh, I think we all really came together on that one. You know, we all were big Trevor Zegers fans, or me and Max, or anyway. We don't know about Zach, but um, thank you all. Well, so- I, well, well, hold on. I'm not a fan of his. He just has talent. Okay, okay. I, I'm the Trevor Zegers fan. So in 10 years, when he's like one of the five best players in the NHL, your boy called it. Uh, that concludes uh, episode five. Okay, of- then. Of a, of a wealth. <laughs> I'm Vermeer Dodd, as always, sitting in with uh, Max Miller and Zach Siri. Uh, we hope to see you next week for a very jam-packed episode. And uh, you should also tune in because Zach's going to be really sad when the Chargers are eventually eliminated. Well up, baby. Uh, all right. Thank you all for watching. Thank you. Come in.